Hi, welcome to Christ's Covenant Sermon Talkback. This podcast is a ministry of Christ's Covenant Church in Atlanta, where our pastors and members dig deeper into the sermon and its text together. Our goal is to consider new questions and observations while looking at the passage so that we might more practically apply God's Word to our life. If you have a question for our pastors, please feel free to engage our text-to-pastor line at 404-465-1737. Or, if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our sermon talk back. Hi, I'm Will Kynes, theological advisor here at Christ Covenant, and we are thinking back on a powerful series that we've done in the church uh, over the last seven weeks. So the seven sayings of Jesus as he is on the cross, as he is facing crucifixion. And I'm very excited about uh, the guests that we have with us today to help us think back over those sermons and also how they apply to our lives. Uh, so we have Jordan and Tally Coughlin here from Christ Covenant. And Jordan and Tally, just to start off, could you tell us a little bit about yourselves and your family? Yeah, would love to. So many of you know me, maybe um, I'm normally on stage singing us, uh, leading, helping us in our singing on Sundays. Um, but we have, we moved here in 2020 um, from the Arlington, Arlington, Virginia, the DC area. And uh, Tally and I have been married for just about 19 years, May 1st, uh, 19 years. And we have five kids um, and I'll let Tally Kind of talk about our kids and the rest of our our lives uh, yeah so we have five kids ages 17 to 7 so we're in all of the schools um <laughs> meaning we're in the soccer games and field trip phase we're in the visiting colleges and planning the future phase and we're dealing with uh puberty during middle school so it's all <laughs> the things so it keeps you on your toes all of the time um our kids are music lovers like their father. We have lots of singing and musical instruments in the house all the time. Um, and like their mom, they have a lot of feelings. So we've got <laughs> a lot of things happening most of the time. It's not, we don't have a quiet house. It's a loud I house. remember, I remember hearing <laughs> um, Jen Wilkin talking about different types of families and there's like the nice quiet family and then there's us. And I think we fall into the us, <laughs> the other category. There's just a lot of noise, but it's a, it's a joy. Um, yeah to be parents to these kids. How many instruments do you have represented amongst y'all and your five kids? How many different, can you put a whole orchestra together? No. We wish. Yeah, unfortunately. Shamefully not. Yeah, we're not refined musicians. So we have have a lot of guitar, acoustic guitars in our house. We have a lot of people banging on things, you know, the counter and pots and pans and, you know, two, two music playing in the house. So we have a couple pianos in our house. So all, all of those types of instruments, we have a lot of them. And a wide yeah. range of musical in, uh, ta- flavors and taste represented. One minute we're listening to a movie soundtrack like La La Land or Les Mis. And then the next minute it's NF. And then the next minute it's VeggieTales. And so it's just a cacophony all the time. You never know what one of the kids is going to be jamming out to while they're washing the dishes or doing homework yeah. or working out. So, Yeah. 
Now, I know, and this is the reason why uh, we thought particularly of you for this talk back, that um, amongst those wonderful kids that you have, you have one kid who has faced some significant challenges. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, our So out of our five kids, our second born, when he was two years old, um, was very sick for about a month, and we just could not figure out what was going on with him. Um, and after a month of being on very strong antibiotics, uh, we found out that he had leukemia. And uh, we had the three boys at the time. Our youngest was 10 weeks old when Jack was diagnosed. And so newborn, three kids living in Jordan's parents' basement, <laughs> and then a diagnosis of cancer. Um, and Jack's treatment was three and a half years long. And through that, we were also planting a church and moving to a different state. And so there was just a lot of things happening all at once um, and really coming up against suffering for the first time, truly, like real suffering in both of our lives in a meaningful way. And Jack finished treatment in 2013 and then was cancer free for five years. We added two more kids to our family and then Jack um, relapsed with cancer in 2019. And that treatment was a lot different than the first time. Um, it was more intense, longer hospital stays. And so um, it's interesting, Jack suffered physically, but you definitely can look back and see how this was suffering for everyone in our family. Um, and it affected everyone differently. Um, but yeah, he had two years of treatment for that. And during that time, we moved to be part of another church plant. It seems like when we suffer, we go plant a church. It's <laughs> this thing that we think is a great idea. I don't know. God, God has a funny way of moving things around that yes, are better does. for us than we would have planned for ourselves. But yes, we moved That's here right. in the middle of his treatment. Um, and he finished treatment in 2021. 20, and he'll be two years off treatment in like three weeks. Yep. Doing great. So he's doing great now. He is. Yeah. 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 He's a growing freshman in high school. And um, yeah, so we're trusting the Lord for the future, but all signs are positive thus far. Yeah. Well, praise God for that. Uh, well, let's think now about this sermon series, because I think that, I mean, the experiences that you've had um, could help us understand a little bit about what we've been reflecting on uh, mm -hmm. in these seven sermons. So, the seven sermons, this goes all the way back to mid-March. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the first saying is, Father, forgive them. And so we see Jesus's forgiveness, even as he is being crucified. And then next, woman, behold your son. And Thomas preached this sermon and talked about the importance of relationship. Um, and that, you know, we are called into a community. And even Jesus on the cross is thinking about others, thinking about his mother, thinking about his disciples. Uh, and then I thirst striking representation of God as, as Jesus, as God, but also as a human who thirsts, yeah. mm -hmm. who has needs. Uh, and then uh, abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As Jesus quotes from Psalm 22. And yeah. this is probably one of the most surprising. I don't know. All of these are surprising in different ways. I mean, even yeah. the fact that Jesus could forgive those who are crucifying him. But here mm -hmm. we have Jesus who is expressing this frustration in the midst of his suffering. Mm -hmm. um, but that frustration also is grounded in a deep hope. My God, my God. Right. And mm -hmm. as we understand, Psalm 22 ends with praise. Um, then it is finished. 
Jesus's great triumph on the cross. Uh, and then into your hands, I commend my spirit. Jesus's dependence on his father expressed throughout his life is culminated in his death. And then finally, salvation, you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus turning to one of the thieves on the cross with him and giving him this promise of salvation, even as Jesus is accomplishing that salvation mm. right at that moment. So what we have here is Jesus at this moment of his greatest distress and agony. And at this moment, he is expressing forgiveness for his enemies, his love for others, his faith in his father. But he's also making these honest statements of physical and spiritual struggling. And I think it's easy for us to kind of distance ourselves from all of this. Oh, that's Jesus. That's right. Jesus on the cross. And, you know, it has this kind of ritual and abstract theological meaning. Um, but Jesus, each of these sermons, Jason and Thomas, they talked about ways that we are called to emulate Jesus mm. in these ways. And, and I wonder what you think about that. I mean, as mm. you've thought about your own responses to suffering, have you been encouraged or challenged by these, this sermon series? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm so glad that we've done this sermon series, first of all. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think, I grew up in church, but I don't think I've ever heard a sermon series or even a message on these seven sayings. Uh, we think about them, you know, Good Friday and Easter around that yeah. time. But it's just been, it's been edifying for me to, yeah, just week after week consider different aspects of this. Um, I, I do, for me, I think the most impactful thing has been... Uh, it, it's been a focus into the the suffering serving servant dynamic of, of who Jesus mm. is. Um, and that is one of the most powerful things for me to to consider, right? G Jesus, who is fully God, yet fully man, d doesn't come to us in our suffering as someone who is not familiar with suffering. And we see on the cross, um, you know, I, at least three aspects of suffering that we suffer through physical suffering, right? Things like I thirst, um, the pain of, you could just say the brokenness of the world, you know, so he's experiencing mm -hmm. the sin of other people. He's seen the loss, you know, as, of his mother, you know, through death, uh, but then spiritual suffering, right? Like he, he is, he's being forsaken by God. God is distant from him. So um, all those things, right, we deal with. Uh, in, mm -hmm. in obviously different ways. So to answer your question, like I, I do think it's so helpful for us to consider what Hebrews talks about. I just finished he reading Hebrews in my uh, devotions that that Jesus identifies with us, right? Mm -hmm. We do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Um, so that that's been that's been hugely helpful for me. Yeah, it's been interesting as you were going through all the sayings again, I kept thinking all these thoughts flooded my mind of things that have been helpful or m memories or things that I've learned along this journey. Um, and one of the things I keep thinking about is how Jesus gives us this beautiful model of being outwardly focused, um, of lament and, and really despairing and that God actually gives us permission to cry out to him. Mm -hmm. Um, but then how lamenting also ends in full surrender and trusting. And he just gives us this beautiful walk through in those sayings. Um, something that stood out to me was when Jesus is forgiving and then looking at his mother, how outwardly focused he was. And I think something that I've experienced is that my 
natural inclination when suffering comes my way is to look inward for answers, to look inward for um, understanding, for solutions. And, and those lead to questions of why me? Why now? Why this? Like, why are you allowing this to happen? And those never produce an answer that will satisfy. <laughs> those never <laughs> produce a hopeful answer. In fact, they often produce more questions that lead to more despair. Um, and in Jesus's model in those statements of being outwardly focused, your your position shifts when you like stop looking inward, you start looking outward. And when you look at Jesus as the model, it's, well, why him? Why did yeah. he have to suffer on my behalf? Why did he have to be betrayed? Um, and why would he go through that for me? And so when I began to consider my suffering through the lens of Jesus's suffering, then my questions become less why me, but why not me? Like mm. if I actually want to know Jesus, like if I wanna know him whole, in a holistic way, I don't just wanna know Jesus when he fed the 5,000. Like I wanna know the suffering savior. And in suffering, I can in a small way identify with him. Um, yeah. Jack had a, had a port in, well, he's had multiple, multiple ways to receive chemo. The last time he had a port in his chest. And I remember as a parent, I'm sitting back watching him endure. He had the physical suffering in the truest sense. And when he was little, I had to hold him. I had to restrain him so that they could put a needle into his skin through the port to give him chemo. And as a mom, that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is restrain my child while he is sweating mm. and screaming in fear. Mm. Now, as a, a 13 year old and 12 year old, I'm watching him again, go through this suffering, bracing himself, taking a deep breath. And I had this moment that Jack will understand what it means to be pierced in a way that I will never understand. He'll be able to identify with his savior in a way I will never know. I can only have been a bystander to see him pierced hundreds of times in a with a tiny needle, very unlike Jesus, but also similar to Jesus, where he had to endure his body being pierced. And what a gift for him to know Jesus in that way. That's mm. to identify with the Savior. So um mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is so powerful. Um yeah. I, I think so on the one hand, there is this challenge for us. Like when we face suffering, can we emulate Jesus? Are we able to forgive? Uh, are we able to look beyond ourselves to others? Uh, are we willing to look ahead to what has been accomplished mm -hmm. in Jesus? Both look back at what's been accomplished in the cross, but also look forward. I mean, that's the kind of thing that... Um, Jesus is proclaiming when he says it is finished. Not, right. You know, not one day it will be finished, but right. it is finished in that moment. So, uh, how did how do how have you been able to pursue that in your own lives as you've faced this great challenge, um, looking at Jesus in the midst of suffering? What's helped you there? Well, yeah, it's just a great question. I I do think. There's like a there's a bit of a warning I think in hmm. uh, over <laughs> over relating to Jesus you know where hmm. all of a sudden my because I you know can't find my keys or like 
it's a rainy day and so therefore I can't like do something outside that this is my, you know, garden of Gethsemane moment or (laughs) that that, that that I'm, I'm now, you know, I know what Jesus felt, right? What Jesus did and suffered is unique. It's singular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, I, so I think we have to be careful with that. Having said that, yes. Um, like I said before, one of the most impactful uh, realities of Jesus being in this world is that he has experienced tragedy. He's experienced loss. He's experienced suffering. He's experienced just the, the brokenness of the world. Um, you know, I've, I've, uh, I remember counseling a guy whose, whse wife had committed adultery and left him and, and kind of betrayed him and, and walking through with him the reality that he has a savior who knows what it's like to be betrayed. Um, incredibly powerful, right? So for us, you know, in our little moments of suffering along the way, that is that is an incredible grace to us to know and i and i have felt this and have been impacted by this i'm not praying to a god who does not know suffering he's not expecting me just to ride above the emotions and the pain and the sadness of it no he he actually invites us to experience it and his promise is that he's with us through all those things uh, as a God who cares, right? Like as, as, a, as a savior who has wept and bled and experienced these things. Yeah. Were there any things that, um, like when things were really hard, because uh, I can't imagine how hard some of those moments you're just describing would have been, um, things that you would do uh, maybe are there passages that you would turn to or practices that you incorporated into your lives that gave you strength in those moments and helped direct your eyes to Jesus? Yeah, one thing I would say, just back to what the previous question and then into that one, is that so often I think um, in the life of an American is one spent avoiding suffering and, and trial, and we are not the people who are asking for suffering. We don't want that. We're not like, Lord, send a trial my way. I, I want to suffer and know you in this way. We're actually mm. quite the opposite. And so when suffering comes, our faith can be upended. In fact, what ends up happening is the curtain gets pulled aside and the things that we've been putting our hope in are revealed to be wanting. They are actually mm. found to be unable uh, to withstand the weight of this sorrow and grief and and suffering we're enduring and how kind of the lord to reveal that to us i think additionally you know we want to be prepared for grief and suffering um but so often you can't be until you're in the middle of it um we can prepare all we want we can study all we want but until you're in the middle of it that grace that you need is going to be there in the middle of the suffering um but also we don't actually prepare well at all. Like most of us are spending our lives trying to have the best life we can, the most fun, the most adventure, the joy, the happiness. And we don't spend time contemplating suffering, the suffering savior. We don't spend time trying to understand lament and grief. We're, as Americans, we're very uncomfortable with this topic. 
um, and, and avoid it. Yeah. And in so much that we actually are very clumsy when we are with people who are suffering, we don't know what to say. We are very clumsy with the words that we choose. In fact, some of the most untheologically sound things come out of a Christian's mouth when they're in the face of either personal suffering mm-hmm. or caring for someone who is suffering. And yeah. so, you know, in identifying with Christ, relating to him, I think it's just spending time trying to understand what it, what the promises are of suffering in the Bible, the model of Jesus, the model of the saints in the Bible that he has given to us to look at through suffering. Um, and instead of trying to pin myself to Christ as like, oh, look, we're the same. I'm actually looking for a path to follow um, and and to be like led in his ways. Um, yeah. And I think one of the things that Jason said, I think it was his last sermon, he reminded us that the early church was adjacent to graves and uh, cemeteries. And the early church was very familiar with death and loss. It was actually a very real mm-hmm. part of their life. Life expectancy was short. They just knew yeah. one of their children probably wouldn't make it past the age of two or three. And so they were very comfortable with the reality of death and sorrow and suffering. Um, it's a modern notion that we have that isn't familiar with those things. And so we have a lot, we can learn a lot from the church of old, just how they uh, lamented and, and identified with Jesus in those times. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's in, yeah, it's in considering those things. I, I mean, I, I just think of, so you're to answer your question, there are so many passages of scripture. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that, and yes. that's, what's fascinating. You read scripture. I mean, I was just reading first Peter, uh, maybe a week ago and I was struck by how much it talks about suffering. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. and I've read, you know, obviously read it before, but just, it over and over and over and over again. So, I mean, one one scripture in particular that was helpful for me was Psalm 131, um, mm-hmm. where it says, uh, Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And then it ends, Oh Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Because I know that I know the temptation because I've gone down this road so many times over the years of trying to understand, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out, okay, what am I doing? Like, how did I sin? What lesson (laughs) do I need to learn so that we can move past this? Mm -hmm. And, And I think there's a reality to suffering that we continue to learn that is there are some things too great and too marvelous for us, one of which is how God can use the pain and suffering and brokenness of the world for his glory and our good. And I, I don't understand that. <laughs> like, and I right. can't understand that. Um, and so the solution is not give up or I don't have any hope. The solution as scripture says is hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. He knows he has a plan. And so I think that, you know, I think back to those times of middle of the night, you know, we get, or, or getting bad news or whatever. And, you know, I look back and I wanna say that we were just full of faith and hope and joy and trust, but reality is we wasn't, we weren't, right? We, we, were, yeah. we were struggling, we were exhausted. We, you know, let lies fester kind of in our, in our hearts and our minds at different points. But I do, we can look back and say, God was faithful. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. sus- he sustained us. And how, how did we 
you know, manage a newborn kid and kid with cancer and moving to a new city and planting a church and sleepless nights. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure, <laughs> but we did, you know, the, the Lord sustained us and it, it's just the wonderful, it's like, you know, scripture, what it promises is true. We, and we can attest to that. God says he will be faithful to sustain us and he was faithful to sustain us. I think too, wow. sitting at the feet of saints that have gone before us and learning from them has been huge. Yeah. Um, you know, Johnny Erickson Tata says, sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Mm -hmm. And you just have to sometimes sit at the feet of those who have wrestled for faith. Um, you know, they, their muscles of their faith are strong because they've done the work to exercise them and through suffering, through difficulty, um, through years of walking with the Lord. And so some of the resources, obviously the word of God was crucial, hiding his word in our hearts. Um, I mean, there would be times we would be in the room, you know, we lived in the hospital for over a hundred days with Jack um, in 2019 and uh, we would bring speakers and we would play worship. We would be building a puzzle and there would be worship playing. And what had started off as a very um, despairing morning full of nausea and loneliness because we were isolated and we had been separated from family and friends for weeks just aching to get out and breathe fresh air well, we turn on worship and we start having a dance party and but building a puzzle and being reminded of the truer reality that we actually live in is and and those songs were balm to our souls reading scripture balm to our souls I remember one time Jack looking at me, something really disappointing had happened. Um, me and Jack were in the hospital for about a month. Well, he was in the hospital for a month. I was his guest as, <laughs> at the hospital for a month. And uh, Jordan was at a conference and I was just really feeling sorry for myself that I wasn't able to be with him. I was like, this was supposed to happen. I was supposed to be there. I had been looking forward to this thing and I was angry. I felt like, God, you, are not allowing me this good thing that would be so good for me. I need this time. And Jack looked at me. He's like, Mom, we're exactly where we need to be. And out of the mouth of a child, I was reminded, no, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And God has grace for me right here in this room. Mm -hmm. And from my son's mouth, um, my heart was adjusted to have the right perspective. So there's been so many places. I think the community is another thing. We have been carried by the hands yeah. of the church yeah. over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to your point, Tally, about earlier about how none of us are really prepared for suffering. Yeah. That's where the church is so crucial because mm -hmm. you need people around you to carry you when you face mm -hmm. these things that you mm -hmm. haven't expected, you can't expect. And when they yeah. come, uh, to have others who can help carry the load is we, we all need that. That's, that's yeah. So true. And you know, you were mentioning, um, older saints who have been through these kinds of struggles. And um, I, uh, I haven't faced anything like a, a child with a serious illness, but I had um, chronic back pain for two years, which was just debilitating and um, so hard to just every day face the pain. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the passages that really helped me during that time was 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Mm -hmm. uh, it says, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort 
with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Hmm. And what was so encouraging to me about that is it took this suffering that I was having that just felt meaningless. Why am I having to deal with this? And it gave it purpose. I'm going to learn things through this that I can then share with others as they face Mm -hmm. suffering. And Mm -hmm. I can be a means, an instrument through which God comforts others. Uh, even in the midst of my suffering. I mean, Jesus is the ultimate example of this as his suffering has led to salvation for all. Mm -hmm. But we in Mm -hmm. small ways are suffering. If we see it as an opportunity to grow in our faith, um, we can... God can use that and give it real mm-hmm. meaning as it builds up others. Uh, so I wanted to give you an opportunity just as we come to a close here, and you've already shared so much with us, but are there are there things that you would say, these are things that I've learned that have comforted me in the midst of my affliction that I'd like to share with others uh, mm-hmm. as a gift to help them as they may face affliction now or in the future? Mm. Well, I'll go first. Tally always has better things to say than I. Um, I, I do just want to underscore the reality of that truth. I mean, we Mm -hmm. could, we could go in for hours, literally hours, just with stories of how God used and is using still our suffering, small though it is to encourage other people and to comfort other people, which is just amazing because I, I mean, I like to say like for as much as we can see about how God is at work. He's doing like 10,000 other things that we can't see. And, and so it's just, it's amazing. Even when we feel the, um, the encouragement of that, you know, being able to comfort somebody, it's just knowing like, yeah, and God's orchestrating like 10,000 other things that we just, we can't see right now. So anyway, incredibly encouraging. Um, I would just say two things of, of what I've learned, of which there are many things, and I continue to learn. One is we have to prepare for suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and to Tally's point, like it doesn't, it doesn't help you to try to avoid suffering, to, to spend all your time just trying to minimize suffering. And when you are suffering to just get through it as fast as possible, mm-hmm. because I think in some ways you're, you're neglecting and pushing away actually one of the most holy and unique ways that God meets us in this world, yeah. Yeah. which is through yeah. suffering. Um, and we don't like it, Mm-mm. but it's true. It's a reality. And, and we, we have experienced that. I mean, I, yeah. I have felt the presence of the Lord in a unique way through suffering. Um, and then the second thing that I've learned and continue to learn is just everyone suffers differently. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's one of the things that we had to learn. We literally, first time Jack got diagnosed, we're, we're driving away from the, ho- from the hospital after a week and we're, ha- we're in a conflict. Um, but we were fighting because like we just were processing through it differently. And it took us a while to figure that out. Um, mm. But that's, you know, many people that I talk to, they think there's a right way to suffer and, and they're always second guessing themselves of, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Am I suffering right? Am I? And I just think like that's energy largely that you can put towards better uses. <laughs> um, yeah. Suffering, it, it's, it's unique for everyone. And I think there are principles to your point, the principle of community that, you know, suffering wants to isolate. And so you need mm-hmm. to lean in community, but that doesn't mean that you always have people with you, right? Like you, right. you need 
to have time alone with the Lord. You know, so there's just so many applications. But the the broader point is, you know, that yeah, we we suffer differently, and so mm-hmm. lean into what God has you and where He has you in the moment that you're in. That's great. Yeah, there's so many thoughts that are flooding my mind right now. Um, You know, grief wants to be seen and it wants to be heard and it wants to be validated. Um, You know, my mom passed away a year ago and I've learned that my grief Mm -hmm. wants to be seen and shared and but people don't want to ask and they don't want to ask because they don't know what to say and they don't want to not they don't want to say the wrong thing um but what i've learned through grieving the loss of my mom has been that some of this is just for me and the lord some of this internal grief is just for me to wrestle alone in my heart of hearts with my savior my god but then also as the griever like it's on to me to let people come in and to not isolate with my grief um but also there is nothing, there is no school like the school of suffering. And the lessons that we learn there cannot be learned elsewhere. Um, And being in that school, what it does is it cuts the strings that tether us to this world in a way that nothing else can. If we isolate, we lose the heavenward perspective that I think suffering is intended to produce. And when these cords are snipped, I long for heaven now more than I ever have. Mm-hmm. And it is through suffering that I've landed in that place. Yeah. Um, we couldn't get pregnant for like three years. After having the three boys, I I just wanted a daughter so bad. And it took us about three years to get pregnant with our daughter. And through that, Jack was also going through treatment for cancer. And in my heart of hearts, the greater suffering I went through was not getting pregnant because I could not understand it. And it was like, well, I have control over this. I should be able to produce the outcome I want. I was, I had submitted myself enough with Jack's cancer that it was so far out of my control. I literally had mm. no ability to change the course we were on there. But I thought, surely I can, ch- I can change the course of getting pregnant or not. And the Lord closed my womb for three years. And I, during that time, I hated it. I was miserable. I struggled. But now, nine years on the other end of that, the back end of that, because I walked through that, I can understand a glimmer of those who go through infertility in a way that I could never have before. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful that I went through those three miserable years of questioning, asking God, why are you withholding this good gift for me? I don't understand. Why is this person getting pregnant and that person getting pregnant on their honeymoon? Like, and I can't get all these questions filling my mind. I feel like I've been able to walk alongside friends who are really struggling in a way that has so much more empathy and compassion than I ever would have had I not gone through those things. And so God doesn't waste our suffering. He doesn't always show us why he allows us to suffer. I think sometimes he pulls back the curtain and we get to see some of his um, plans unfold. That story I told at the beginning where Jordan was at the conference and I was at the hospital with Jack was one of those moments. Um, About two days into that, I got to share the gospel with a nurse and we talked about Jesus at length. And she came back in our room days later and said, I cannot stop thinking about what you shared with me. And because I was there in the hospital, because the Lord had hemmed me in with those boundaries during that time, she, I got to plant a seed of the gospel. I don't know what God will do with that, but what an opportunity 
And so he pulled back the curtain and gave me eyes to see, this is why you're here right now. He doesn't always do that. It's not a guarantee, but when he does, what a treasure and gift it is to see the why. But that was a, the last thing I'll say is, you know, we don't always get, understand why we go through suffering, um, but we, we don't have to. What we do need to remember is that we can trust God, yeah. trust yeah. him who knows why we're going through that suffering and that his plans are infinite and my finite mind cannot understand all of them. And so there is a relinquishing and a resting in a surrendering of ultimately, Lord, I may not understand what's happening to me, what's happening around me, but I can and I do and I will trust you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus in these seven sayings, we see him honestly saying to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and so in doing that, acknowledging that we can express our frustration and our confusion to God, but ultimately saying, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. So that yeah. getting to that point of trust. And we see that over and over again in the laments. The laments over and over again start with, God, why, how long? But yes. end every time, with the exception of one, Psalm 88, ends yeah. with <laughs> an affirmation of trust in who God is, which is a powerful thing. Um, to the point that both of you made about God speaking through our suffering, C.S. Lewis has a great quote on this that I just can't miss the opportunity to give, which is, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world, which is a powerful I thing. I love that quote. I, I, yeah, I am grateful to y'all for sharing a bit about your experience. One more question for you. Uh, so, Jordan, you have a song, Jack's song, that you've written uh, reflecting on some of this. And so I kind of want to do a little VH1 behind the music here. Can you tell <laughs> us a little bit uh, about what motivated you to write that song, how it came about? Yeah, I would love to. Man, VH1 behind the music. I love it. Um, <laughs> brings me back to another age. Yeah, I so uh, at the completion of Jack's treatment the first time, uh, we had this big party, um, just kind of celebrating and marking that moment. And uh, a generous friend, you know, gave gave us the opportunity to to do it. And so we had, you know, we had uh, moon bounce and candy, and you know, it was tons of fun. So I was just trying to think through, okay, like how do I, how do we mark the moment? of something so significant in our lives not knowing that you know we would go through it again but um and so you know so i i thought hmm well what are the gifts that i have like what can i do and uh i'm at least an okay songwriter so so i just tried to write something um that just kind of chronicle chronicled it and marked the moment and uh you know songs don't often come easy to me like typically i have to work really hard um this was pretty easy <laughs> because mm -hmm. a lot a lot of it was just <clears throat> kind of thinking through okay like what what's happened um what are the circumstances so the verses kind of go through the circumstances and a lot of them are unique to us you know i talk about a thousand chicken nuggets because when he was on <laughs> steroids literally he would just want chicken nuggets at all hours of the like day and night you know um so, but then, you know, there's this refrain uh, that I really feel like hits where we were at. Um, at times like these, so frail and weak, when night seemed to prevail, yet in the darkness, his voice we heard, 
my child, I will not fail. Um, mm -hmm. Because that was the reality, right? We had ups and downs and good times and bad times, but it was in those moments that we, we, we felt and heard God say, I won't fail. Um, so then the, la the last like kind of refrain of the song, I just wanted to try to speak to Jack with an eye towards the future. Um, because I, you know, you know that even completing that, he is going to suffer again, right? We don't know how, but he, he is. And, and so it, it, I'll just read the lyrics. We have a God that rules the world. What part has he not made? So when your trials bring pain, my son, don't be afraid. For every tear and loss are held in God's sure hand, who entered to our world of brokenness and pain. He has been faithful. He will be faithful again. Amen. Well, what I love about this song is it conveys so well the fact that suffering, all suffering is unique. Every person who faces suffering faces it in their own way, but all suffering is also universal. We will all suffer. And as we suffer, each of us must rely on a savior who has defeated suffering. Mm -hmm. So Amen. to close out uh, this episode, we're actually gonna play Jack's song. Uh, so enjoy that, but thank you, Jordan and Tally, for sharing a bit with us. Love it. You're so welcome. Thanks fun. for having us. All right, Jack's song. sat and cried together as you lay sleeping outside the snow fell fast while our hearts were breaking our little boy so full of life must now begin to fight at times like these so frail and weak When night seemed to prevail Yet in the darkness His voice we heard My child, I will not fail And counts began as you're to be drinking The medicine that helped you fight all the bad within You faced it all with smiles and tears As God gave grace each day You were so brave and fearless body grew bald head and pudgy cheeks and a thousand nuggets too so many prayers and helping hands gave strength to weary plans at times like these so frail and weak when night seemed to 
He will be faithful 